My name is Phil Strout. I'm the National Director of the Vineyard in the USA. You know, we're thrilled that you are part of a congregation that is a part of that Vineyard USA. And we're just glad that, you know, we have a chance to, to, to connect and we're thankful for your church and we want you to know that we're in this together. One of the things that we have said through the years is we know we will do better together than any one of our churches will do by itself. That's why we like walking this thing out as a family. Your church in your community is a very special thing. I look at it this way. Your church actually is a gift to your local community. I'm glad you're a part of it. I'm glad you guys were part of the Vineyard USA. We're about 620 congregations spread out all over the United States. Churches in urban centers, rural settings, suburbia, suburbs of America, we're all over. We're we we are a group of people that are moving towards a greater uh, reality of diversity all the time. Uh, we're a multi generational movement. We're a movement that is deeply committed to the Word of God, a celebration of the, the the fact that Jesus has come, that Jesus has intervened on the behalf of human beings, and uh, we are glad you're a part of it. So, when you say you're part of the Vineyard, you're part of a pretty big family. It's a lot of fun. We're walking this thing out. We're learning. And we also know we live in a complex time in, in American history. I'm glad you're a part of what could be the solution to a lot of the things we're facing in, in this country. So God bless you. I just wanted to bring you greetings in, uh, in, where you are in your local church. And I'm, we're glad you're a part of the vineyard. Amen. Thanks, Phil. Okay. Uh, here's the fun part about that. I just got that video this week. It just came to a in an email to pastors, but Phil Strout, who is on the screen, will actually be standing right here in two months. Um, you're clapping. Yay! So uh, many of you know, and I'll remind you, those who didn't hear before, our church received a Lilly Clergy Renewal Grant back in the fall, which means that Jane and I will be on sabbatical for a portion of this summer. And during that time when we're gone, we're bringing lots of people in to speak and to encourage the church, and one of those is Phil Strout. So as a part of that grant, uh, we've invited Phil to come down. He'll be in Indianapolis for the whole weekend. He'll be doing, um, um, have some time with Vineyard uh, area leaders on Saturday. He'll be here Sunday, two services, June the 4th, and then June the 4th, Sunday night, he'll be down at the Greenwood Vineyard in Greenwood, and uh, he'll be, that they've got a big church, so we'll invite the whole region to come and worship and hear from Phil. He's the national director of the Vineyard, but he's, he's not a bureaucrat. He is a man after the heart of Jesus. Um, we've met him. He's just, he's a beautiful man. You can tell he's the real thing. Uh, we're the Vineyard. We don't have a pope. If we did have one, he would be it. Um, but he really loves God. He comes from a missionary background has planted churches, led churches, a leader of leaders, and we're really excited. So I just wanted to give you a little introduction to Phil, since he will be here and speaking to us in a couple of months. All right. Stand if you would, and I'm going to ask you to do two things. I feel a little spread out. I'm going to ask you all to sort of move into the middle a little bit more, okay? Come up and in, and on your way, find someone you've never met before and fix that. All right. Okay, now I'm just going to like to point out that this side was a little bit better at squashing than this side. But, you know, it's okay. You're good. We're not going to do any sheep and goats thing here. All right. 
All right. We are in a series on the Lord's Prayer. We're calling it uh, Living the Lord's Prayer. And specifically this morning, I want to talk about uh, give us this day our daily bread. Before I go into the scriptures, and I'll tell you, I've got a lot of them this morning, more than my normal, but I promise to say less about each one. I promise. Uh, but before we get there, I'm wondering if there, thanks, my kind assistant and loving wife. I'm wondering if any one, two, or three people would like to share. This is, uh, what I'm looking for is, you prayed a prayer and God answered it. Okay? It could be anything. could be anything. We're talking, could be parking spaces, all right? But a prayer you prayed and God answered it. So keep it short, 30 seconds or so. I just want to hear something you asked the Lord uh, to, to give or to do, and he did it. So anyone, okay. Tell us who you are and then give us the good news. Michelle Anderson, and you said it could be as simple as parking spaces. Uh-huh. So yesterday I was at the Y and I locked my keys in the car. Ooh. And I called my husband and I said, oh, my keys are in the car. Can you come and bail me out? He said, sure. He couldn't find the other set of car keys. So he came and he was trying to, you know, he had string and a coat hanger and he's trying to pry this door open. My he couldn't get it. I was sitting in the car and I said, Lord, please help him get that door open. And... Two seconds later, I turn around, and there's a cop <laughs> right there. And I said, yay, thank you, God. Awesome. And he got out of his car and helped Eric get the door open. Great. Awesome. God bless Felicia. Okay, who else? Does it have to be recent? No. This could be from eternity past. <laughs> Tell us who you are. It's not mine, Sandy Noel. And um, it was uh, probably about 35 years ago, actually, but God's done many things since then. But at that time, he was teaching us about his provision, Mm. and we were, um, we had two kids, little, and the covers were bare. Um, They really were, and our checking account was the same, (laughs) and we were learning how God provides for us, and we had been taught in church. This isn't always the case, but we were going through the time where you're not supposed to tell anybody, just tell the Lord and trust Him. And so before Dave went to the church, we were on staff at a church there, which doesn't really look well for that church, but they really <laughs> did pay us pretty well. Anyway, so Dave goes to church. Before he goes to church, we get out the Bible and we read Deuteronomy 28, you know, and we go in and we speak blessing over our kitchen, over our cabinet, over our uh, pantry. We held our checkbook and called it full of money and um, just really had as much faith as we could have at that time to believe that God heard our prayers. So Dave goes off to, to church pretty soon. In about half hour, the pastor calls me, and he goes, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. He goes, no, how are you really doing? Oh, no, I really am fine because I really didn't want to tell him. I'm like, we really are fine. He goes, Sandy, the Lord did not lay you on my heart to call you to hear you say you're fine. What's up? And so I said, okay, I'm only telling you this, and I told my situation and in less than, I would say in about an hour, our pantry, our kitchen, our refrigerator was so full of food from people coming and bringing us food. And we had to put it somewhere out in the garage on our washer and dryer. There was so much food. The next day in church, the pastor took an offering for us. And, and a guy unloaded his money clip to Dave that had about $350 wow. on it. They gave us an offering. And our checkbook was full. And so God... 
with, did a great job of proving his faithfulness, mm-hmm. so that was one that we will never forget. That's great. We should just do another offering. <laughs> morning. I'm Ron Vitalis, and um, our friend Brian Beeson uh, reached out to me a couple weeks ago via text and said, uh, anything at work I can be agreeing with you in prayer on. If it means anything to you, when I was praying for you, I saw the southwest section of the U.S. praying for impact and grace on that region, however it applies to you. What he didn't know, that was on a Tuesday, what he didn't know, uh, yeah, the southwest is meaningful. My job as national sales director was eliminated last Thursday. However, the company gave me the option to become the region manager over the West, which is one of the three jobs I've been doing for the last two years. I've accepted that position. There are three major distributors in that area. The largest is in Phoenix and is named Southwest Medical Systems. Wow. (laughs) So it's meaningful from a geographic and business sense. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm looking forward to this change as I'll be able to focus on one job, and I'll take that as confirmation. Good things are in the future. Oh, that's great. Anyone want to prophesy which airline he'll fly? Was there one over here? Okay, last one. Can you pass that back for me? Hi, I'm Shannon Timot. This time last year, tensions were running really high in our house because our kids had a dream um, of going to college and they're twins. And um, we had really prayed with them and they had done everything that they should as far as grade-wise and academically all four years, but we just didn't have the funds to send to at once. And on top of that, their dream was to go to a private Christian college, each one of them. And um, I met, we met with people, we prayed, prayed with moms, prayed with anybody who'd pray with us, <laughs> her family prayed. And it was just one of those prayer after prayer after prayer knocking on heaven's door saying, Lord, you know the desires of these kids' hearts. And today they're both in private Christian college. And God just does amazing things above what we can ask or imagine. It wasn't us. It was all him. That's great. Awesome. You know, what we were doing right there was we were worshiping. I mean, worship is when you tell stories about God and give God glory. And when we do it in uh, what the scripture would call the assembly, we bring encouragement. We, we really help the Holy Spirit build faith. And so uh, some of you, even hearing those stories, have been inspired in their faith to go back to heaven's door and to knock a little bit more, to believe that God um, really does have your very best in mind. He, at the heart of God our Father is this desire to provide for us. So let's uh, stand, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. This is the prayer that Jesus gave us. Let's say it with faith and, and with boldness, and let's do it in unity. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. If you read in uh, Matthew 6 or Luke 11 where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, 
he uh, says in both of those places, the, the scripture says, give us this day our daily bread. And, I mean, if as you know, or if you didn't know, you'll know now, Jesus didn't speak in Greek, he spoke in Aramaic. That would have been his language at the time. So the New Testament was translated um, by those who wrote it. I mean, they would have had experience with Jesus speaking in Aramaic. They themselves wrote in Greek. So the New Testament that we have was originally written in Greek. And this Greek word for daily bread has a very specific meaning and would have had a very specific meaning to the people hearing this the very first time. So when, when Jesus tells us, pray for that God would give you, um, give us our daily bread, it's two Greek words smashed together. It's a word for bread, and, it, and it's a word that means the portion assigned for today. So we think of daily bread as just like, give me what I need. But, but when the, the first hearers were doing the hearing, they would have heard this prayer, God, give us exactly what you have assigned for us today. The phrase was so specific that if someone said those words, our daily bread, before noon, they would know for sure this was for today. And if they said those words afternoon, they would know, oh, you're talking about what's coming tomorrow. I mean, it was just that tight and specific. As if Jesus was saying, I want you to come as children, and I want you to depend on the Lord every single day. As if he was our perfect, loving father. As if we were his beloved children. In the children that he cares for. I can't remember the, the, um, the Old Testament prophet who speaks about, you know, could, could a mother forget the child at her breast? Neither can I forget you, says the Lord. And that's the, the tenderness. That's the care. That's the invitation of God our Father to us. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're not just talking about, God, I hope the Chick-fil-A will be open today so I can... No, we're saying, God, this day, give me what you know that I need for this day. And I will choose to live in the present. As Ron, I'm going to believe, because I know Ron's journey of faith, was living in the present without any future, certain. And then all of a sudden, God, who had been working all along, intersects and says, through Brian at IHOP in Kansas City, here, here's a gift. Here's a gift. Here's your provision. Here's your daily bread. I, I wonder, Jesus doesn't make reference to it, but I can't imagine that when the disciples were hearing, give us this day our daily bread, that they didn't think back to their own history. In Exodus 16, if you read through uh, Exodus chapter 16, it's the story of God's people depending upon God for literally their daily bread. Now, I won't read it, but you can go to it. Exodus 16, it describes how God's people are, have just been delivered from Egypt. So they've been delivered from bondage, and they're walking into God's promise, and they have this short journey from bondage to promise, which, wasn't it Marvin a few weeks ago said it should have taken like three days or three weeks? Or, anyway, it took them 40 years. 40 years of whining, complaining, unbelief. But in the midst of that, God knowing their season, God fed them from heaven. And so, as the scripture explains to us, um, God answered a whiny prayer. The people of Israel said, 
we should have died in Egypt. Why didn't you just let us, you know, kill us off there? Because there's no food here. And God, because he loves his children, even answered the whiny prayer. And he said, okay, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you bread from heaven. So he explains to the people of Israel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come out in the morning, and in the morning you'll see dew on the ground. And when the dew burns off, there will be provision for you. Um, the, the Hebrew word is manna. So you've heard about manna from heaven. And the, and the reason it's called manna is because manna is the Hebrew phrase for what is it? So the, the, the Israelites came out. God said, I'm going to provide for you. They look at the ground. The dew's off. There's this like white coriander seed with a taste of honey is what the Bible says. And they said, what is it? They said, manna. And God said, you've got it. <laughs> and for 40 years, God provided the daily what is it for the people of Israel. Now, I kind of think it's interesting that it's what is it. It's funny, but it's interesting because even though God said it was going to happen, didn't they have to wake up each morning and say, you know, is the what is it going to be there? <gasps> what is it? <sighs> And every day God provided. Every single day. So when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, I just have to believe that the disciples were thinking, oh, bread from heaven. What is it that God's going to provide for you? What is it that you need this day? Not what do I need tomorrow? Not what do I need next week? There is nothing wrong with praying for the spouses of your children in the future, for provision, for a job, for a relationship, for health. Nothing wrong with praying for all those things into the future. But Jesus very intentionally says, when the disciples ask, how should we pray? He says, pray like this. Give us today, this day, our daily bread. You know what it is that we need, and that's what we want. There's something about that prayer that draws us back to Jesus. It draws us back to the Father as his children. I mean, what it means is dependence every day. Wouldn't it be more fun if I was God? No, it would not be more fun if I was God. Wouldn't it be more fun if God said, pray once and I'll take care of everything? I mean, I'd like it that way because then I could have faith. No, I wouldn't need any. It would all be done. God says, come to me every day and pray, give us today our daily bread. Let's look at Luke 18 for a moment. Luke 18, 1 to 8. I'm not going to try to um, explain this parable. I'm going to give you only the explanation that Jesus gives for it. This is Luke 18. Jesus speaking. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So Jesus gave them this parable so that they should always pray and... Okay. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, 
I will see that she gets justice. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? That's us. For his chosen ones. Who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, this, it's a confusing parable because Jesus says, I'm going to show you this so you should have faith, never stop praying, and never give up, right? And then he goes into this thing about an unjust judge who doesn't fear God. Okay, interpretive clue. This parable is not about the character of God. This parable is about the character of men and women. This parable is about us. Why did Jesus give it to us? So that we should always pray and never give up. I mean, he's not trying to say, you know, you've got to plead with God because he's an unjust judge. That's not the point of the parable. The parable is this. Persistence is a character trait that God would endow his people with. Persistence in prayer, persistence in faith, Persistence in love, persistence in hope. I mean, it's a gift from God. This is a parable for us. Always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. This parable and this, you know, give us this day, this drives us back to God day after day after day. Does God know our every need? Yes. Does he want us to pray anyway? Yes. Why? I don't know. Except that it maintains this relationship that Jesus started off with in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God the Father, the character of the good, good Father, who wants to give, and somehow, for some reason, he wants to cooperate with us, and he says, ask me, ask me, ask me. Persist, don't give up. Never fail, and I'll bring justice to you. It's, it's not necessarily a parable about timing. But it's a parable about our call to be persistent in prayer. First Thessalonians 5, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, and um, if you want to know God's will for your life, this I memorized this scripture a long time ago. This is God's will for your life. I don't think it's up there. For, that, I memorized it, remember? So now I'm put to the test. First Thessalonians five sixteen to eighteen. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for you in Christ Jesus? Rejoice always. The Greek word means always. Pray without ceasing means without stopping. A continual attitude of dependent, humble, faith-filled prayer before the Lord. And in everything, give thanks. So that's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I would like to point out, it doesn't say, for everything, give thanks. It doesn't say, you know, God, thank you that I broke my leg. Thank you that my cupboards are bare. No, it's thank you in the midst of a broken leg, in the midst of bare cupboards. In the midst of despair or heartache or question marks or mystery in your life, 
He says, give thanks. There's just something powerful about thanks. The end of that parable, Jesus says, the parable I read before, will Jesus find faith when he returns? And I don't mean this as a, as a condemnation, but will he find faith in your life when he returns? If Jesus were to return today, would he find faith? Take that as an invitation. An invitation, God, this is what I want. I want to live in this. I want to live rejoicing. I want to live praying without ceasing. I want to live, I want to live with giving thanks in every circumstance. You know, if you are giving thanks before the provision, it is so much easier to give thanks after the provision, right? Next time you're in a trial and you're praying and you're asking God to intervene and you don't see it happening, I just think of it like this. God, I know you're going to do the work here. And I just want to be found faithful in this moment before I see the answer. God, give me today my daily bread. What do I need today? What's my portion for here? In every circumstance, in every prayer, we're coming as a dearly loved child to a perfectly loving and altogether good father who knows us completely and loves us without measure. In every single circumstance, in every single prayer, we're coming as utterly dependent children to a perfect and loving Father who knows everything about us and loves us without measure. Without measure. Last night, I was sitting right where Kara is sitting. There was a youth worship and prayer event. Jacob was leading with some of the uh, kids in the band. It, it was awesome. Like the worship was just amazing. And um, I found myself just laid out there for a while, and God was speaking to me. And I wasn't asking God for a sermon because I already had one, but I, he, he thought it was bonus time. So I just, I'm laying there, and I hear in my mind, with my voice, but I knew it was the Lord, Hosea 6.3. Scripture, Hosea 6.3. I think, I think I know that. God said, just open it up. So I opened up the Bible, Hosea 6.3. says this, let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. This command, invitation of the prophet Hosea, to press into the Lord is right in the context of actually Israel as being a bunch of dirty rascals. And they are, they are not pressing into the Lord. And Hosea says, let's do it. Let's press in. Let's press on to know the Lord. I mean, let's give it everything we have to go after God. Because he for sure is coming. Just like the dawn is coming. And just as certain as the sunrise is the coming of God in your life. Again, that's not a promise of timing. That's a promise of character. God's character. If God says he's going to come and intervene and bring you justice and answer your prayers, then God's going to do it. I just find it interesting that it ends with this kind of seasonal imagery. He'll come like the rains. One uh, translation says like the, like the winter rains and the spring rains, or like the former rains and the latter rains. And I was just laying there thinking, God, what, 
What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us as a church? And I felt like the Lord said, I know your season. I know your season. So we come before the Lord. Give us today our daily bread. We come before the, you know, the, the just, the righteous Father and say, God, I, I need, I long, I desire. Here's my prayer. I want to keep coming to you. And the Lord says, I will come. Be patient. I know your season. Isn't that comforting to know that God's going to come and answer our prayers and he's going to do it at just the right time? At just the right time. It, it more than likely will not be our timing. I mean, God can do it however way, whatever way he wants, but more often than not, I find God's timing is different than my timing because I'm the very much give me patience and give me now, right? You know, that's, that's my deal. Some of us are like that. This morning, I'm driving into the church, and I'm listening to the radio, and some woman is interviewing a, an Italian physicist. Did anyone else hear this one? It was on. I promise it was on. And it was really fascinating. So I just, I heard, my house is 10 minutes away. I heard 10 minutes of this interview. This Italian physicist who wrote a book called uh, Seven Easy Lessons on Physics or something like that. Anyway, he's, this physicist is going on and he's talking about the complexity of the world. And it really inspired worship in me. Because as this, I don't think he was a believer. And like, in fact, he said things at the end of my time listening to indicate that he didn't know the Lord. But here he is describing the intricacy, the complexity of human cells. I mean, even of what's happening in a glass of water when you look at it, it looks like, you know, glass of water. But he said, there are molecules firing and fire and speed. And, you know, we're being held together in some mystical way by this force. And he was saying that sometimes we can come into life and think it's as simple as it looks. And he was saying it's much more complex than it looks. And his actual words were, we need to be more like children. I thought... For all, man, this guy's brilliant. Then he said something that I thought was not so brilliant. He said, you know, I don't know absolute truth. And he said, the fact is, none of us have access to absolute truth. And I went, ah, because guess what? The world is complex. Our lives are complex. The work of God in our lives is complex. But we do have access to absolute truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. So here what we get to do is not know all things, but know the one who knows all things. Right? We get to stand here in the complexity of our God. Why wouldn't you just, but God, why wouldn't you just, like, God, it would be a good time now to heal, bring the provision. Do it now. And God says, there's more at work than you know. Molecules firing and fire. But we get to stand in the place of assurance because we know the one who knows all things. So we get to walk as children and we get to worship the one who knows all things. Perfect Father. I mean, it was just, who would have known that National Public Radio would preach the word like that? But it was the word of God. And I just realized, wow. I'm not going to come in this morning and try to explain why does God make us persevere? Why does he wait? I don't know. 
but I know his character is good. I know that he knows all things. I know that he knows my season, and he knows your season. And he longs to hear our voice, probably not whining, but just, God, today, give me today my daily bread, and I'll trust you for the moment and in the day. Let me end with Romans chapter 5. This is Paul. This is Paul writing. He says, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That's the inheritance of the people of God. We share in God's glory. Irenaeus, 4th century, said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Somehow, in our full life, we share God's glory. Okay, a different message. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. Other translation, suffering. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Oh, goody. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, how many of us have, have faced this? We've been, you know, you're in a moment, you're like, ah, it's God's glory. And then all of a sudden, in his sovereignty, he allows something that is painful trial, difficulty, maybe even suffering. And you're, you're sitting in it, you're saying, okay, God, this suffering is going to produce what? Endurance. Whoop-de-doo. Endurance is going to bring character. Okay, look, I've got enough character already, right? The scripture says character produces hope. Okay, we're feeling better. And then he says, and hope does not disappoint. And let's just be honest. That, that rubs a little bit. Because how many of us have not hoped and then felt disappointment? I mean, if I skipped over that, I just feel like I would, I would lack integrity. Because so many of us hope and hope and hope, and what we end up with is what we feel like disappointment. So let's just finish the passage, because there's, there's more. There's God's truth here. This hope will not lead to disappointment. Why? For we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. My translation, in the midst of pain, Trial, suffering, endurance, character, hope. We will not be disappointed when we keep putting our hope in God because he's already given us the greatest gift. He's given us himself, right? That's the promise. Why are we not disappointed when we pray and it doesn't happen? Because we've got this hope in our hearts. God's poured out his love by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Actual translation, God, I don't yet have what I want, but I have what I need. I have you. I mean, this is about persistence in prayer. So I'm not saying just be content and settle. Remember where we started. Give us this day our daily bread. Keep knocking. Passage I didn't read. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Keep after it. That's the heart of a good father to give to you. But when we're, we're tempted to despair or disappointment, I urge you, stand in this truth. He's given us all we need because he's given us himself.
We have the Holy Spirit. He's resident within. Corey Ten Boom was a, um, a, a Second World War a woman lived in Holland, and she wasn't Jewish, but her family sheltered Jews. And she was put in a concentration camp as a result of her work with the Jews. And Corey Ten Boom says, you might not realize that God is all you need until you realize that God is all you have. Sometimes in God's love, he will allow us to get to the point where all we have is him. Larry Crabb's a psychologist. He kind of spins it this way. He says, if God is all you have, you realize that God is all you need. And if God is all you need, you realize that God is all you want. There's something about persistence in prayer, trusting God for our daily bread, walking through, you know, suffering, endurance, hope that doesn't disappoint because the Holy Spirit's resident. And in fact, we have all we need. You know, and as, as children loved by God, he develops character in us to realize our hearts get changed. And all of a sudden, he's all we want. Again, that is not to dismiss your prayers fervent for the salvation of your family members, for health, for that, that thing. You know that thing in your life that you've been asking for for so long. But in the midst of it, before it comes, you have all you need. You have Jesus. He's fully satisfied. Let's pray. Let's just stand up. Jane, you want to come forward? Lynn, will you come? And If I could have the ministry team to come forward, uh, maybe some of you have specific words of encouragement, words of knowledge. We'll pray into those. So ministry team, come on forward. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the gift of prayer. You've invited us to cooperate. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling these hearts with love. Now release the Holy Spirit, God, in fullness. Just release the Spirit of God here to inspire faith, to ignite our imaginations, to display the power of God among us. We look to you for our daily bread and we say, God, we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.